Amen. 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 Yeah, that's me. <laughs> all right. Good morning, church. I'm so glad you're here today. So great to be with you all that are in-house and those of you that are online. If you are in middle school, you're supposed to exit stage back, right back there in the back, and head on down there with Miss Jennifer as she's going to lead our middle school class today. We are glad that you are here. I have a couple of announcements to make, and I asked Eric to stand here behind me just for a minute. He didn't know what I was doing in the first service. He knows what I'm doing now. Uh, we have one worship, uh, one church worship this coming Friday. I hope you know that. You didn't know that, right? Okay, well, I'm glad I'm announcing it because only three of you did. This coming Friday at 6.30 p.m., we gather together for one church worship. We do that because we have the two services, 9, 15, and 11, and we want to bring the body of Christ together to celebrate and love on God. I don't preach in that service, usually. No, I don't. Uh, we are there to love God and show Him our affection and just celebrate who He is in our life. We will have a special guest with us, Darla uh, Simon. She is our missionary to India. She's going to be with us for that service, and she'll be sharing some of the things that are happening in India and uh, the work that's happening over there and what God's doing. So remember that. Also, this next Saturday is the Bug Splat Run, which is a support for Teen Challenge and Springboard, which is the Teen Girls House. And so that is happening right here on our campus as we're hosting that event for them. There will be a car show, a bike a ride, and then a bike show, I believe they're going to be doing that, and there's a lot of other stuff happening. So check that out. You can go on our uh, website or our app, and you can see all that stuff that's going on. Today is your last chance to pre-order your Blessing shirts for our Blessing that's coming up, Blessing of the Bikers 17, if you didn't know that. Um, and that's what I'm wearing, one of these past shirts that we designed and made. And we're going to have a new design this year. You can see that on the website. But today's your last chance to pre-order your shirts. Everybody always comes up to me and wants something that's like this. We're not using this one. We have a different shirt every year. Uh, and I tell them you were supposed to pre-order if you were watching the app, listening to the announcements, seeing the emails. You'd have known that. Uh, so I'm giving you all a heads up. The only thing that's going to be available today at the event is a few regular T-shirts, and they will be more pricey. So you should take advantage of the sale today. You good? There's also some information about serving and donations that we need for that. We had new class start today, new class tomorrow online. I do a Monday Zoom and a Wednesday Zoom. Monday is uh, co-ed, Wednesday's men, and I'll be teaching uh, that curriculum that I wrote for my dissertation, which is on spiritual disciplines. If you'd like to join that, you need to join today because you have some work to do ahead of time. Let's do it. So as we do this and we get ready to start today, I wanted to let you know that um, for the blessing, October 9th, which we're a month away from that, it's crazy, um, we've been doing this for 17 years, as I mentioned, it is like an incredibly blessed time that God has given us, and so for this year, I'm going to do something a little bit different, and this is why I have Eric here, and he's going to turn sideways so that the cameraman can zoom in on his profile right here, this amazing young man, he's my nephew, um, and uh, What's going to happen on that day is if we have 175 motorcycles on campus, I am going to cut my hair just like that. <laughs> Turn a little bit. There you go. All right. Just letting you know that's happening. All right. But it has to be legitimately 175 bikes. So we've had 155, I think, last year or whatever. So it's not like out of reason. But I will be counting and I will make sure that there is 175 bikes not 170 and then people doing laps. It's going to be that number or it doesn't happen. But it will happen. I'm confident of that. I'm going to whack it all off, stand it up like that, like I just got off my bike and it's windblown. 
I'll probably have a little empty spot back there in the midst of all that flow. And that maybe I'll be a, I can maybe get a comb over out of it. I may end up keeping it that way, you know. But anyway, I will have it for that next Sunday to preach in, so hopefully it won't distract me. I'll put a hat on if it's too disturbing. Uh, but I just want you to know we're going to do that for that day. Now, my wife is in it. She's, it works in the cafe. Is she in the room now? She's still in the cafe over there. She, she didn't know I was going to make that announcement today, so I'm sure she's going to be excited about that. Uh, and um, yes. So the last thing I want to mention to you after we do that is that that amazing lady and um, hey, Ashley. Hi. Can you open that door again? Can you tell my wife to stick her head out here? Some of you maybe don't even know that's my wife over there, and you probably would never put us together. There she is. Just stay right there for a second. Don't leave me. Are you making a drink? Oh, well, then stay out here and let them do it. All right, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I almost said something bad right there. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, this is by far my better half. I married up. I don't know if you know that or not, but if you ever met her, definitely I married up. And, uh, and it was 39 years ago yesterday that that lady gave herself to me in marriage. Yeah, crazy. I mean, she was of age, just so you know. She looks younger than me. It's, I tell everybody it's because I took good care of her. And that's why she looks so young and beautiful still. I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> Anywho, I want you guys to know that that lady's an amazing woman. And it's not just because she's married to me, but her surrender to God. I was sharing with my nephew, Jaron, uh, earlier after that other service that, you know, I would not be serving the Lord today if it wasn't for her. And she was raised by acclaimed atheists and never was allowed to go to church. We started dating when she was 15 and I was 16 years old. We've been together, other than a little tiny window of time where I was stupid uh, when we were dating. Uh, we've been together ever since and got married when she was 19 and I was 20 years old. And so as we did that, though, she had a desire to know God, and I had been raised in the church and didn't want to have a relationship with God or anything. And uh, it was because of her asking questions and wanting to go to church and find out about who God was and what he did. Uh, and, and what he is and who he is in her life that God spoke to me and allowed me to say yes to him. In that moment that I surrendered my life to Jesus as a 19-plus-year-old young man, it was because of her that I did. God was calling me. Tears were flowing through my eyes, like crying down, like I didn't cry for years, and I had no emotions. But in that night, the Spirit of God fell with conviction in my life, telling me I needed to surrender. And I had tears flowing. And she was standing next to me, and the devil said, if you go up there, she's leaving you. And I was in love with that girl. And I knew that I would lose her if I went forward, but you know the devil's a liar, right? In that very moment, I mean, literally, when I heard those words in my ear, as loud as I'm talking to you, if you go up there, you're going to lose her, she tugged on this shoulder. She was standing right here, and she grabbed my shirt and pulled me over and said, let's go do this together. And we gave our lives to Christ that night. Yeah. I can't, I, I could stand here the rest of the day and tell you how amazing God has worked in her life and mine together, and I am so grateful for that experience in life together that he has blessed us with, and the fact that he's extended her life. <laughs> oh, <God bless> <laughs> 
So, you know, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm so grateful for her in my life and where we're at. She's willing to, like, leave everything. Followed God and left her family and everything with me as we came to, to serve you and, and the pastor. And uh, she was the only Christian in her family and still is today. Uh, yeah, Explained extremely blessed guy. <laughs> I'm going to read some scripture to you today that is, like, I'm super excited about what God wants to say to us. He's amazing. Listen to his word. Something's happening in Israel. The enemy wants to come and destroy them and overtake them, and this is what God's word tells us in 2 Kings chapter 6. When the king of Aram, Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. Isn't that awesome? You know what's happening here, man? The guy's like making a war plan to attack these guys, and God's like, hey, don't go over there. Hey, king, they're going to be over there. Listen to what's going on right now. This is, so the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. I love how God is so specific in what he's doing. Check it out. We're going to keep reading. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called all his officers together, and he demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, Even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. <laughs> God's awesome, isn't he? Church, there's no place he's not listening to you. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. Going to pause reading right there. We'll jump back into the story in just a minute. But we got to see some things that God wants to speak to us in our lives today from this account in history as we look at it. And the first thing we need to see, church, all of us, please hear this. We need to see, hear, and understand from this account in history that God knows everything. Everything. There are no such thing as secrets. You're not making your own plan that he's not aware of. You're not doing stuff that God doesn't know about. God sees everything. He hears everything. It is nothing to him. He's God. Somehow in our own crazy minds that we think sometimes that God doesn't know what we're doing. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we're given this right in the scriptures. Like God's like, I know what's going on. Hey, Elisha, tell him, don't go down there. He's right there at the corner. The king, who is not following God's ways... Here's the message and sends us someone out there and say, see if they're really there. They were there. Of course they were. God said, I know what's up. I'm telling you what's up. Church, God wants to speak to us. He wants us to know exactly where the enemy's focusing on our life. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of where the enemy wants to attack us if we stop and listen to what God is saying. God knows they're everything. There are no such thing as unknown plans to God. 
Nothing is happening behind closed doors in any circuit that God is not fully aware of. That includes things in churches everywhere. It includes our personal lives. Everything that's going on, he knows all about it. It happens in governments. So I'm going to get a little bit political, but just relax. Whatever side of the fence you sit on, just stop and stop sitting on one side of the fence and surrender to Jesus. Politicians don't hold our future. <laughs> God does. Church, listen. There's nothing happening behind the closed doors of the government. That gathering of those wealthy elites that think they're dictating things for the world, those things are happening. I'm not stupid. I pay attention to stuff. I don't let it consume me, and I don't dwell on it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, more power to you. Just stay with me. There are people making evil plans in this world. There are. And it includes our nation. But my God knows all of it. It's not like he's like, oh, no, what are they going to do next? You know, when, let me think of I'm going to say this. After the last election, I made a statement. I read the verses in Romans 13. I did not say this in other service. I'm saying it now. Ready? Romans 13, when you read it, God lets us know that he allows people into power and position according to what we need as a people. So what happened in the last election doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is it didn't like sneak something around God. Whether you believe there was uh, mess ups and cheating in the election or not is irrelevant because God's God. And they didn't sneak anything past him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy. We're like, well, I mean, this, no, God knows. Remember, he's in the chambers of all who are whispering their plans. It's not like God was like, oh no, they're going to steal this one from me. <laughs> Do you think he was? He wasn't. He's not. Church, we're, we're messed up. Our nation is messed up. God knows where we are. God is trying to bring all people on the globe, no matter what government they sit under, to their knees to surrender to who he is. That's God's objective. So as these people that desire, it's always been a problem, right? I mean, the devil himself has wanted to have, you know, that, that power and be God. And human beings that are in their fallen nature have the same thing. It's been going on since the beginning. Someone's always trying to have domination, right? I mean, we are all aware of that, right? I mean, it's always going on. So it's not like this is something new and God's trying to figure out what he's going to do for his people or how he's going to save the planet. God knows. He's already got a plan. He is in power and he is God, no matter what they think they're doing or what they're saying. So this is not a political speech, so don't get all freaked out or anything. This is getting us to stop seeing that as something we need to be afraid of or fight against or worry about. We're looking up to the creator of the universe and he's got us. I'm not worried about that garbage. I don't care what kind of plans they make. I don't care what they think. I don't care. Church, I'm not like careless. I care about what's happening in the world around me and I'm praying for change. But the change is only gonna happen when we get on our knees and say yes to our God and understand that Jesus is the savior of the world. No other thing is gonna change us. Please, church, we've gotta get a hold of that. 
Okay, God allows things. That doesn't mean he directs things. God knows things doesn't mean he planned those things. See, God is all-knowing, but he did not, like, set this all up and manipulate everything to be what he wants it to be. He's calling, asking, inviting. He's given us free will. And in the giving of free will, he's allowing us to choose to serve him or not, to follow his ways or follow our ways. He warns us in the word of God that our ways ends in death and destruction. His ways lead to life. Amen? Okay, so let's follow through with this. God is always working behind the scenes. He knows what's happening. He's making a plan. He will bring his plan to fruition no matter what. Okay? That doesn't eliminate our free will. He's just going to call it out one day and say it's done. And I'm grateful. The world's pretty foolish about God. You know, it's, it's kind of... I laugh at times about the stupidity of humans. And I laugh at my own, so I'm not just judging others, but people are stupid. You know, and they, they just let it come out of their mouth. And I'm talking about people that are supposed to be smart and who are leaders. And it's like, seriously, do you really believe what just came out of your mouth? You really think that's accurate? They do. They do. And you know why? They don't know God. And so in their own human intellect, they've got to create an environment in which everything makes sense to them. And so as we sit here and look at this church, we, we don't get trapped in that, nor do we try and create it in ourselves. We step back from all of that, and we look to the one who actually knows who actually is, who actually knows what he's going to do. Why in the world would I get all caught up in that craziness and be afraid for what's going to happen when God's like, I'm right here. Look what he did right here in the word of God. We're looking at it. The enemy isn't God. Look, the king's plans have been revealed at every turn, right? I mean, we just read it. No matter what was happening, God was like, hey, it's happening there. It's happening there. It's happening there. All true. All happens. And then the guy, in all of his wisdom, says, where's Elisha? We'll go get him. As if God's not going to tell him he's coming. Seriously, think about it. I mean, is that stupid or what? That's what I mean about people in leadership that don't know God that can be so stupid. Because he's like, well, I need to get this guy because he's the problem, and so I'm going to go out and surround him and take him. And yet, God's been revealing every single thing he says, but somehow he thinks this is going to work out for his good. So let's keep going and see what's happening. I, I want you to know before I read the next section of Scripture, the enemy's not God. The devil's not all-knowing. The devil's not always present. He's not. He is not all-powerful. He is limited to who he is, where he is, and what he can do in that moment. He doesn't know what plans are for tomorrow. He has ideas, and he's trying to instigate his own junk, but God is God, and he is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is God. And so when we step back as believers, you see how freeing that is? Do you really get how like liberating it is beyond all the stuff that's trying to be shoved in our face? God's amazing. I'm not afraid of any junk that's going on out in the world around us. I want you to know that I have zero fear about it. Is stuff going to happen? Yeah, it's going to. That's what it's all about. It's coming to an end at some point in future history where God's going to be like, okay, this is where it's at, and this is what's going to happen, and here I am. 
you know, isn't it good? So it's like, why am I worried about it when God's already got the plan and the enemy's trying to create one and God knows all about it? All right, let's go on with the scriptures then and see what's happening, ready? Uh, by the way, I just want you to know the devil has no authority over you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've received him as your life. He has no authority over you, so stop letting him have it. If we let him have it, he does. But we don't have to let him have it. Let's stand in the power of the living God and rebuke that sucker because he has no authority in our lives. All right, 2 Kings. Let's go back to the scriptures. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram uh, sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. I'm just going to pause. We're going to keep reading the story, of course. But I want you to get the picture right now. The king sent a great army, it says, of troops and horses and chariots, and they surround the city for one man of God. <laughs> oh yeah, it only takes one man of God to thwart the works of an entire nation and army. When God is in it, man, there is nothing that can stand against him. Is he awesome or what? I mean, seriously, think about it. He knew he was in trouble, so he sends the entire army to get this one guy. Check it out. Here's the deal. The young guy gets up early in the morning. He's making his coffee. You know, he's pushing the button on his little Keurig, and he's got that thing full, and he's going to step out on the balcony and look out, and he's like, what the? You know, not the word that you guys hear when you say that. He's like, what is going on, you know? And he sees all this, and he's probably wiping his eyes like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Drink that coffee a little. Yep, that's real. And what is the first response that happens to him? fear because he sees this giant army out there and he's like we're doomed because the flesh in that moment reacts to what it sees and when it sees that army that's out there that's huge and it's real and he's like we're dead Elisha what are we going to do he's freaking out church this is often the reaction that we have in the first moment of a crisis when we're just like having a normal day things are just you know I'm having my coffee man it's like this is what I always do I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and all of a sudden boom, everything's different there's a crisis there's this incredible force that has come against us and it's intimidating and the enemy wanted it to be intimidating and that's why the forces were all there surrounding that place. It was to instigate fear, intimidation, and try and accomplish his agenda. Now, as we look at that situation and we're facing things ourselves, you know, when you and I face these incredible pending disasters, we look around us and see this world that's going on around us and we feel like we have no control to stop anything. We don't. And we see this thing and it looks so big and insurmountable and unchangeable because it is to us. 
we see it and in that moment our flesh reacts and our flesh reacts the way that it always does in emotion and usually our emotion is driven by fear because we see the enemy as such a threat because the enemy is a threat and because it's coming after us okay let's just pause there for a minute I'm an emotional guy and so a lot of times especially early in my Christian life my reactions to things would be emotional and emotionally driven not spirit driven and emotional drivenness comes from the flesh and not the spirit I'm not saying the spirit's not involved in emotion he is and I'm grateful but see all my life I used to react in my emotions rather than the spirit because I wasn't walking with the spirit so what I did in the emotions of my flesh was I react with aggression so when I began my journey with God and things would come against me or somebody would say something or come to oppose me or whatever else, when they would come in that way, I would allow the emotion to come over and either attack on the counterattack or I would react in fear like, what am I going to do? That emotion would dictate what's happening in my life rather than the Spirit of God. And so as God began to work on me, I had to step back from all of that and just hear the situation through and not react. Because immediately your first thing is to react in your flesh like this young man did. Like, whoa, I'm freaking out, man. It's the end. It's not the end. It's just a moment. And it's a real moment. And it's real. Scary. In the moment. Because you see... We don't see God in that moment. We see the situation in that moment. And in that moment, the situation is real, and God is not. I'm not saying he's not real. Do you understand? What I'm saying is when we're faced with that immediate crisis, that thing, and it's right in front of us, that's what we see. And so in that moment, it's touchable, it's tangible, it's actual, and God is not. So here's the guy whoa, we're done. I guarantee he sat down his coffee cup. And I know that's not in the Bible, just stay with me. All right, I know he sat that down and he's like backing up slowly like, Elisha, <laughs> hey, man of God. <laughs> All right, so instead of seeing the enemy and the pending doom and the events before us, what we need to do is step back and look by faith at the fact that we already know God's up to something, no matter what. So God allowed that army to surround that city. He could have called them out before that. He's been doing it all along. Now it's different. God doesn't always do the same thing, you know. It's different. Before, they didn't have to see the army. God would say, they're over there. They're over there. They're over there. And they were. And just avoid it. Not anymore. There's no avoiding it. They're in front of you. But God allowed them to be in front of you. Do you understand, church? If you're walking with God and you're spirit-led, then whatever is before you, God is allowed to be before you. And he's up to something. <laughs> All right, let's keep reading the scriptures then. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were the troops, the horses, and the chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, Don't be afraid. Elisha told him that, cool. Church, please, I'm, I'm telling you from God himself don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No matter what's going on out there, 
no matter what you hear, no matter what the, the news is telling you, no matter what the government is doing, no matter what the things are happening in the world, no matter what's happening in your own personal life, don't be afraid. God is God. He's God of that situation. He's God of all things, and he knows all about it. Don't be afraid. So Elisha, the man of God, says, do not be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Hallelujah, church. We got way more on our side than they do. They can gather them all together if they want to, and God tells us in the word of God it's going to happen, where all the armies of the world will come together to fight against him, and he will slay them with the sword of his mouth. Man, God is good, isn't he? Don't be afraid, man. There's more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, <laughs> oh, man, it's so awesome. He saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Amen. Is that not... Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Praise God. I just... So amazing. Before I go on with that a little bit, can we just pause for a minute? We talked about prayer last week. And we were talking about how, you know, it's not like God's not waiting for us to get a quota of words in or show that we're serious and we've prayed all night. Listen to the prayer of the man of God when you hear it. Are you ready to hear this? Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see the end. <laughs> this whole prayer. And the entire situation flipped. Nothing changed as far as removing the army. Hear me. What he saw differently was that God was present. That God was bigger. That God knew the situation. Praise God, man. Do you understand that that's happening in our lives right now? Amen. That the armies and the chariots of God are with us? There is not a greater army out there than the army of the living God, that he is with us and he's not against us. We're all right, man. Why are we afraid? Man, I love it. Just a simple little prayer like, hey, God, just let him see. Oh, oh, wow, yeah, I see things differently now. God, I'm asking on behalf of your people. Open up our eyes and let us see. See, when we see with faith, we know that God is bigger than any situation. When we look by faith, we see beyond the situation. He's bigger than any crisis in our life. He's bigger than any plans of the enemy. They can get together and like talk all they want. They can promote any agenda they want to out there in the world. The enemy can think he's going to take over and all. He's not. They're not. God is. Therefore, I'm not afraid of any of that stuff. Like I said, now, when we look with faith, what we see is the armies of God that are for us and not against us. And now, we will turn to Romans chapter 8 and read one of my life verses and many of yours. Everybody knows Romans 8, 28. And I'm grateful for this verse in my own life because it's helped me, kept me grounded, helped me to know that no matter what situation I'm in, God's up to something. But sometimes when we have life verses, you know those verses that mean so much to you and, they, and we hold it, we kind of isolate them and we forget what's around them. So we're going to read past Romans 8.28 today, but let's listen to what it says. And we know 
that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So this is what God's word's telling us. He didn't take you where you are. He's led you and brought you to situations in your life, yes. If you've surrendered to him and the spirit is leading, he's brought you to places. And some of the places that God brings us brings us to confrontation with the enemy. Sometimes it brings us to crisis in our life. All right? Right? I mean, but when we look at this, it's do you love God and are, call, are you called according to his purpose and not yours? Because the word of God says that he causes everything to work for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So things don't always go good when I'm trying to work out my good and my plan instead of God's. But when I surrender to him, and I allow him to lead me, I know whatever I face, it's going to be for his glory, my good, and for the ultimate purpose of the kingdom. So let's just face it, right? Let's go on. We're going to keep reading this now. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah, church. Praise God. Is God for you or what? If God is for you, then who can ever be against us? The enemy can try all he wants to, and he can try and surround us with his forces. He can try and get us into the corner, but God is for us. Therefore, it doesn't matter what the enemy does. My God has me, and he's got a way, and he's going to make a way. You got to go back and read later today what happens in that story, because I'm not finishing that story with Elisha, but you should read that later. Not now. Let's go on and see where we're at. I want to ask you a question, church, and I do want a verbal response from you right here, and let me finish the question, and I'll let you know when I want you to answer. Okay? We all good with that? Perfect. Good job. You ready? Are you a born-again, spirit-led Christ follower? Yes. Amen. If you're not, today's the day. Man, there's nothing. I mean, it is life, period. Okay. So now that we've established that, and if you said yes, and you know that's going on, I want you to know, God wants you to know, God is at work in your life to bring about his purpose. So God is at work in my life and in your life to bring about his purpose. Okay? You okay with that? That doesn't mean he's going to bring it around to the way you want it. He has a purpose. And therefore, if we are surrendered and we are spirit-led and following him, and God's purpose is going to be accomplished in my life. That way I don't fear death. I don't fear government. I don't fear laws. I don't fear disease. I don't fear anything out there. Because if I'm following God's lead in my life, I'm not checking out of here until he checks me out. And if he checks me out, then I'm done anyway. Right? So it's like, what? why in the world would I be afraid then? And that's what the Word of God tells us. It's like, man, just like, don't fear, just follow. There's no fear in following Him. Amen. All right, so let's keep going. Everything you face, God already knows all about it. You know that, right? The enemy doesn't know your tomorrow. 
He does not know what's going to happen Monday morning. He's trying to make a plan, but he doesn't know what God is up to. God does know tomorrow. God not only knows your tomorrow, but he knows your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday and your Friday. What God is doing today is preparing us for our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right? For real, he's doing that. Right now what God is saying, church, I know what the enemy's up to. I know right where he's trying to station himself to try and throw you off track. I'm aware. I'm letting you know I'm God. You can trust me. That's what God's doing this very moment in your life and in mine. And he's like, I've got you. Your situation and your crisis, he knows all about. He is not surprised by any of it. He's not taken back by it. He's not trying to refigure his calculations. God is God. He's amazing. So he's called us to live by faith, right? Not by sight. If all of us were all-knowing, we would be a disaster. We would. So God has called us to live by faith, trusting that he knows it all, and because of that, I can trust him, knowing it all, and that he's at work in and through it all. Hebrews chapter one says, uh, 11 says this, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So there is evidence in faith. Think about this, church. Those of you that are following Christ, you know this, that as you began your journey with Christ and your faith was engaged, God has become so much more real to you through the situations of your life that he has tangibly been present without touching him. That he has been so real that you could feel him, but you can't feel him. He's amazing. And in my walk with God that started when I was a 19-year-old boy till this day, I can tell you that God has never been more real than in this moment of my life, and it has nothing to do with my emotions. It has to do with He is God. He has proven Himself true. He is who He says He is. And I have experienced the realness of God in my life, and I know for a fact that He is up to something. No matter what I feel, think, or see in the moment. It doesn't matter what we think we see. Did you hear that? It doesn't matter what we think we see. God is God. And he has got something going on behind the scenes. And therefore, by faith, I know God's up to something. I know he is. And I'm excited about it because I get to be a part of it, whatever it is. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Out of nothing, God made something. So as our scientific friends are looking and trying to find an answer, I want you to hear this the right way. There is no answer to be found out there outside of God. For his word declares to us that out of nothing, he created something. And so that empty space that we're looking for that will make it all make sense to us, he is in that space, and it's only him. And he tells us in his word, it's like, look, I did this. This is who I am. 
And so as we stop and pause and think about the incredible God that we serve that just spoke it and all of a sudden something that wasn't was, why would I allow my current situation to intimidate me and create chaos in my own faith? <laughs> See, faith sees the unknown as fact. Faith sees God looking at, behind, around, and through everything I face in my life. Even though things aren't like that for me, they are to God. And so when I stand there looking at an unclimbable wall, and it's rock, and it's solid, and it's real, and I can pound on it, and I see that it's actual rock, and there's no way to dig under it, no way to climb over it, no way to round it, that wall is like a window to my God, even though it's a real wall to me. Therefore, church, please hear this, because what's happened early in my walk with God, and I pray, Lord, that I am way better now, that when I face one of those situations in my life, the first thing I do is I try and throw a rope over so I can get to the other side. And when I can't get over and the rope keeps falling down in my face, I get a shovel and I start to dig because I figured, you know what, I can get under this thing. I'll fix it. And then when I'm worn out and it just seems like that wall just keeps going, then I decide that I'm going to walk that way and I'm going to try and find the way around it. And then I come back and go that way. You understand? You've been there. It's like I'm completely worn out. And finally I stop and I'm like, okay, God, what do you want? Instead of starting there. I wear myself out trying to fix everything, do everything, and trying to find a way when God brought me to this place, right? Because I'm spirit-led. We are, right? So if the spirit is leading me to this moment in my life and there's a rock wall and I'm knocking on it, it's real, then God brought me to that rock wall for a reason. And if I have to stare at that rock wall for six months, then God brought that rock wall for me to stand still for six months because he's doing something. I don't like it. So I'm telling him the whole while, in the name of Jesus, move the wall. And opening my eyes, and there it is. I'm going to fast and pray, God, I'm going to do this for the next week. God, move the wall. God, move the wall. God, move the wall. My, there it is. Now I'm thinking like something's wrong. What's happening? What happened in our relationship? Am I not hearing? I'm listening. I'm not really listening. But I'm telling him I'm listening because that's there, and there's an obstacle in my life, and I need it to be moved. And God's like, wait. And I'm not good at it. So God brings me to those places frequently. I want to get good at it so I don't have to wait so much. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So here, let me go back in time for you for a minute. Um, just to preempt what I'm about to say, I don't feel like God's leading me anywhere. God's not saying you're done here where I'm at currently as your pastor. I'm not looking to go anywhere else. And frankly, at my age, nobody wants me. So you guys, I'm glad you stuck with me for a little while longer. But let's just stay right here for a minute. So my very first church I ever pastored was the church I grew up in. I'm sure most of you know that. My father was the pastor of that church. And so I was born and raised in that church. So God's asking me to become the pastor of this church after my father was done. And I mean, I'm like stepping into, I mean, he was asking me if I would do this and I was going to be the pastor of my Sunday school teachers, you know, from literally from infancy through my marriage and everything. 
And like, there's no way. I mean, Lord, you even said in your word, like a prophet is without honor in his own town, right? So like, I know you don't want me to do this because I'm quoting scripture to you. <laughs> and you even said this would happen. Yeah, I want you there. So I was there. I started pastoring the church. I pastored there for six years. Now, I want to set this scenario for you that, remember, I was born and raised in that church. I was saved in that church. It's where I met Jesus. I married my wife in that church. I pastored that church. I had two children while I was pastoring that church. We dedicated those children at that altar. As I stood there in that church, see, my entire life had been around that church. And in the midst of all this, all of a sudden, God was saying something to me about leaving. The place I didn't want to go to in the first place, that I had finally accepted and said yes to him, God's plan and purpose, not Dave's. Once I surrendered and said yes, he opened the door, I stayed there. Now he's saying, like, I want you to leave. And I, I, I'm, I have a pattern in my life. If you've been around here, you know this. Like, you can't be saying that. You, <laughs> you don't mean that. Not leave. I mean, this is my life. You know that. I didn't want to do this in the first place. You made me. I'm here. Why would I go anywhere else? Okay, so I wanted to make sure it wasn't my emotions because I don't want them. Remember, I told you I'm an emotional guy, and I don't want my emotions leading me anywhere. So I step back from it, and I'm praying, and I'm seeking God. And he continues to affirm through his ways of doing things, you're done here. Literally took me six months to pray through that, through my feelings and get them out of the way so that I could hear God, know it was God, and say yes to him. So when I came to that moment, now see, God brought me to that wall, and he's like, do you trust me? And I'm like, yes, of course I trust you, and I know we're going to do something, but it's probably going to be right here not over there and God's like I'm trying to get you to see that I will take you there if you'll let me so here I am yes Lord and in that moment that I finally said yes and got through all my emotional issues and I let things go and I said yes and I'm standing there so literally when I finally surrendered it and said yes to God I'm like expecting to leave the next day right I mean we've got this all worked out now I'm willing but the door didn't open and remember, this is my first pastorate, and I've only been walking with God for, let me think how long that was, not long. <laughs> like six years. Crazy, isn't it, that I was pastoring a church like while well, I had been serving him for about nine or ten years. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Now let me give you a little backstory on that a little bit. I, I began the pastorate. I started going to the Nazarene Bible College that opened by my house and I was going to be a pastor I wanted to learn while I was doing it and the whole time I was at that school they kept saying when are you going to come and pastor one of our churches when are you going to come and pastor one of our churches when are you gonna? I'm like hey when God tells me I will but I'm not going anywhere until he does so now they've been bugging me for three years to come to them so of course once I said yes I'm assuming that's where I'm going so I sit down and write a letter to the headquarters like, hey, this is what God's doing, this is what's going on. I send that letter off. Never heard back <laughs> to this day. So I make a phone call like, hey, I sent you a letter. We never got it. We'll send you this application. They send me the application. It's the wrong application. 
call them up like, hey, you sent me the wrong application. That's not what I'm supposed to have. I'm looking to pastor a church. I don't want to be an associate. I'm not called to be a youth pastor. Uh, I'm called by God to be a lead pastor. Can you send that? Then never showed up to this day. Okay, so now I'm like, all right, like, what is going on? You know how this happens in this moment where you're, God said something, but things aren't moving, so you're like, did God say something? Was that God? Yes, I know that was God. You know, you have the, well, maybe you don't. I have conversations like that. Yeah, it was him. Yes, it was. Look, I wrote myself a note. It was God. Okay, so nothing's happening. Look, church, for six months, nothing happened before God did open the door. Six months, the six longest months of that time in my life because I was ready to walk. I was done. And I knew God was calling me somewhere else, so then why would I remain here? You know why? Because God was up to something. And the people over here weren't ready to go either. They were probably praying through their six months of emotions to see that they were supposed to move, to get out of the way so God could move this piece over here when he moved that piece over there. And God finally opened the door and I stepped into the Wesleyan church, which I was never going to be a part of, nor was I before. And here I am today, looking back on that journey and thinking all the walls that I faced in my life that if I didn't step back and let God lead me through those walls, where would I be today? He is so incredibly amazing. And yet today, when I come against that wall, and it's right there, the first thing my flesh wants to do is like, (gasps) what's up? (laughs) With all that knowledge, church, I want to encourage you to step back today. I mean, like seriously, step back. Because God will make a way. God will either make a way through it, over it, around it, underneath it, whatever, or he's just going to tell you to turn around and walk that way. But God will always make a way. He is good to his word. He is amazing. 1 John chapter 5 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Do you see how we're doing obedience again? Dave's not doing it. God is. God is calling us to obedience. If you truly love God, you will love his people and you will do what he says. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Church, stop walking around like you're on the edge of death and start understanding that in this place you are, if you are spirit-led, that is where life is. Start breathing in the life of the moment that God has you in because God's up to something and he loves you. Trust him. Smile a little bit. Celebrate the life God's given you. It's amazing. Slow your roll and just be enjoying the moment with God. All right. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only us. Amen. Amen. It's right there. Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Man, we can overcome this evil world. They don't own us. They're not dictating who I am. They can't do anything to me that God doesn't allow. And God's got me. Isn't he awesome? I mean, it's like, look, we've overcome this evil world. They can go ahead and make any plan they want to. 
but I am overcoming them through the power of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm not afraid of them. Not at all. No matter what. Church, do you trust him? Does he have you? Man, if he's got you at a wall, stand. Just wait. You can knock. He says, knock, seek, and ask. It's okay. Every day. But just wait for him to open the door. Don't figure it out yourself. Your action steps today are this. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? And are you living a new life? If you haven't and you're not, he's available. He loves you. And he's here for you. The second one, and I've only got two today. Do you see the enemy surrounding you in your current situation? Or do you see the flaming chariots of God? Whatever you came in with today, I want you to know that God wants you to see the flaming chariots of God that are around you. He is for you. He's not against you. The enemy is against you, and he's real, and he's there. He's waiting right outside that door. He's actually probably in the seat next to you. No, not the person. He. I want you to know that he's there, man. But God's bigger. Just open up your eyes of faith and know that God has you. And nothing is hidden from his sight. Therefore, he's making a way for us. Starting this very moment, God has already mapped out our week. Will you follow his lead and trust him? Let's do it. Stand with me. Altar's always open. <laughs> it's amazing God that we serve loves you. He loves me. Isn't that great? <laughs> he is so good. Would you like to come and talk to him? I know you can talk to him in your seat. I know you can. I look at the altar and I'm like, Lord, I just want to come to you and just step away from everything and all the distractions of the world and just come clean before God and just be with him. So whatever you're facing, I just want to invite you. And he's inviting you to come and be with him for just a few moments. Before we go on with life, just pause and wait with him right here at the altar, if you would. Just the spirit of God's leading you. Please, man, move to the altar. If not, it's totally cool. Just stay where you are. Just want you to know he loves you. You're not forsaken. You're not abandoned. No matter how big the enemy appears right now, no matter what your emotions are telling you, God's bigger and God's there with you. Let's trust him, church. Father, we love you. We're so humbled, so blessed that you would love us, that you would call us to this place to serve you. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are facing the wall. Maybe they've been there for a while, Lord. They've been struggling and wrestling with everything, and just I pray your peace over them. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that their eyes would be opened to see you right there with them. And that, God, in your time and in your way, you will make a way. We trust you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Yeah, God is good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. He's awesome. Thank you so much for being here.